The Colts come into the NFL draft without a first-round pick. A lot of opportunities and a lot of questions about what they'll do. And, of course, they do what they do. They trade down and still end up with what looks like to be a really kind of fascinating draft class with just a couple of unique questions. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? JMV joins us for 107.5 The Fan, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. 3 to 6 p.m. is where you'll find him. And before we get into the selections of this draft class, just uh, the idea of it. You understand Chris Ballard better than most, the general manager. You have an idea of the kind of guy he is when these drafts take place. He doesn't seem to be uh, a guy who is moved by external forces. He's more moved by his his own view of the situation uh trading down making some of these moves how do you grade him overall and taking a look at this thing you know what tony that said he did i not necessarily listen to me but i outlined three things that were relatively obvious but certainly at the top of that list need wise wide receiver and tight end and even in trading down he went out and he addressed both of those needs. And then you look at left tackle because you have a guy in Matthew Pryor that at least is earmarked right now to be that starter. We'll see where that ends up uh, to protect the blind side of Matt Ryan. So what you do is you end up in, in with that third pick, you end up going out after trading back and getting a, a tackle as well. Now, again, what Chris Ballard, I think, overall did in this particular draft, Tony, is that he went after athleticism and speed. And then he is going to leave it up to he and his staff to mold these guys into what, what you're looking for, not just in the short term, but in, in long term. So to me, he went out and just addressed the needs. But in the fashion in which he did, and you mentioned that at the outset of asking me this question, uh, very unconventional ways with a lot of general managers in the NFL but you look at that, that tackle that they got in Bernard Ryman out of Central Michigan, a lot of people thought that he'd probably go in the second round as a left tackle. They get him later after trading back. You get you know Jelani Woods, the tight end, with a lot of athleticism a little bit later than a lot of people thought he was going to go. And then with Alec Pierce was a guy that has a great deal of athleticism that has just recently blossomed. You go and get him, and you address all these needs in that particular draft with those first, first three picks. I think overall, Tony, was really good. Let's break the, the, this down a little bit more because the Alec Pierce choice out of Cincinnati wide receiver, this is a guy who could do a 4-3-40. I, it seemed like at the first people were like, wait, who? And then when they started reading some stats, they were like, how in the world is this guy a second rounder? And how did he fall to us that we were able to you know, move down to grab an extra couple draft picks to get him? Now, here's one of the things you can look at. It's just the, the evolution of the wide receiver position we see now in the NFL. And these guys coming out of college are much more ready-made to make that jump and then to produce oftentimes early. And you just had a bunch of guys. You had a bunch of names, like Christian Watson that went to Green Bay was another guy that was mentioned in that general vicinity. Western Michigan, Sky Moore, who went to Kansas City, was also mentioned there. We were talking about possible second-rounders, but they got the feel of where the draft was going to go, as they should, because they talk about they have it all the time, that feel, and can read the draft board, and knew a guy that they had actually went down to see. And I had mentioned last week, I actually tweeted Jim Irsay when he asked who we thought 
he, he was going to pick or they were going to pick. And I said, I think it's going to be Alec Pierce because I was told that they went down and had a private workout to see. And we didn't necessarily hear about that. And I thought maybe they had him in the focus as a hard target for this draft. And they did. And he, again, Tony, he exemplifies the type of guy that they're looking for athleticism, speed, and on the uptick right now. You know, he hasn't been a great talked about player He's had one year of really solid to above solid production, and they're looking to play off of that. And one guy, also the new position coach in Reggie Wayne, obviously loved the dude coming out of Cincinnati, and so we'll see where that goes from here. So that's the question. Is is he a receiver like Harrison? Is he a receiver like Wayne? Is this a guy who's going to play the slot or can play the slot, although he seems bigger than those kind of guys that we see in that uh, position who, who've been uh, of note, or do you just send him out deep and figure he's got a 41-inch vertical leap? Just put the ball up high enough, Matty Ice, and let him catch. Hey, Tony, I think you can look at him and maybe compare him to a guy like Chase Claypool that's playing in Pittsburgh that came out of Notre Dame. But if you remember a couple of years back, when they drafted Michael Pittman Jr., Chase Claypool was a guy that a lot of people mentioned that maybe they should go after as well. But I think you can't compare him to that because he is big, he is tough, he is athletic, and he can go up and get the ball. Now, Chase Claypool has been um, kind of in and out of the doghouse over there at certain times of behavior. And I can assure you that Alec Pierce has none of those issues. Let's take a little bit of time. I mean, the expectations are going to be high, and it's not going to happen in a minute. But there is a great deal of athleticism and skill set to work with right there. And Reggie Wayne in year number one gets charged with that. But that comparison I made is probably Chase Claypool to Steelers, Tony. Talking to JMV from 93.5107.5, The Fan. I'm going to move past uh, the tight end picks because we picked up a couple of tight ends in, in, in uh, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, which people seem happy about. This guy Ogletree, which uh, is, is an interesting pick. I, I got to go right to this third pick because uh, we had two third rounders, took the 73rd and the 77th pick. This could have been interchangeable. Uh, but Bernhard Raymond, offensive tackle, Central Michigan, it seems that we really want things in the Quentin Nelson mold. Guys who just look freaking nasty as all hell. Who is he and what can he do? Yeah, he's a guy, Tony, that came from Austria. He's only been playing football for about 10 years. In fact, he was living in Austria before he came over here. And I think he was just saw some kids in the neighborhood throwing it around and got out there and then got interested in the game. He has he hadn't seen his parents, I don't think, until this past weekend since before the pandemic. So it has been a while since he's seen his parents, and he's, he's honed his craft, obviously, at, at Central Michigan. And he was a guy in what was a, a left tackle or a tackle draft that seemed very thin. He was a guy that a lot of people had a hard target and thought maybe he could go on the second round, high up in the second round. He lasted long enough, for, again, for the Colts to trade back and then get somebody that they get. It was interesting. You look at, I think, these first three guys, and they're all – they're plug and play but they're also tony if you get this they're they're play and mold which means they are of not a great deal of incredible high level background but they have been good so i think the indicator is they believe their best football is ahead of them and honestly there's not a lot of tread on these three guys and their tire so you're getting relatively fresh you can mold them into what you want of the Colts right now, and then hope that also along the way, because they need it, these guys can produce at a level that can help out Matt Ryan offensively. And we'll see what happens with Ryman as far as the left tackle is concerned. 
Uh, that job is still going to be Matthew Pryor until you know we find out otherwise. But this is a guy for the future. Certainly, we'll watch to see if he can become what they hope he can. And Ryman, I got to make sure I pronounce these things properly. No, that's okay. That- I, I love the Bernard. You have like the Bernard Longer pronunciation right there. That was pretty good. Well done. Well, I do have some skills. Let me take it to uh, <laughs> round five. And then round uh, six, talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the fan breaking down the draft for the Indianapolis Colts. Two defensive tackles. We take uh, Eric Johnson out of Missouri State. And then uh, another round uh, later, we take Curtis Brooks also out of Cincinnati. My confusion, outsider looking in, is that I, I, I can appreciate doing some things defensively later in the rounds, but two of the same position, what is it that we're trying to fill, or is there is there a new defense style? Is that the case coming to Indianapolis? I uh, just look at Chris Ballard. I think Chris Ballard on, on both sides of the football up front is you can't have enough of those type of guys. And the guys you mentioned, Tony, are going to be projects because right now they seem set, especially up front defensively. Honestly, when you look at that group up front, when you talk about Pay going into year two and you know, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner and now Yannick Ngakwe, who came over from the Raiders in that Rocky Yassin deal. They should, and this is just me saying this in the offseason in May right here, they should have one of the best up front. And we'll see how that turns out. It doesn't always turn out that way. But you look at it on paper, they should have the best group or at least one of the better groups in the NFL up front. So these guys are all projects to see where that will end up going. But I I will have you watch this. Keep an eye on Nick Cross, the safety out of Maryland, because you kind of wonder what that means. First, I know people would say, well, Julian Blackman's coming back from an injury, and that's fair, but they brought in Rodney McLeod in the offseason as a free agent from the Eagles. But watch a guy like Kari Willis, because a lot of people are wondering right now if that starting safety for the Colts if he fits what Gus Bradley is going to do here. So we were kind of wondering if maybe Cross is brought in here to become or to overtake what Kari Willis's position is at safety. That bears watching nothing right now, but I think a little bit further down the road, keep your eyeball on that and see where that particular battle as is, the that's because goes, Tony. Willis is a free agent in 23? Oh, you had to ask me that. I think so. I think you're right about that. Yeah, and, and my, my viewpoint was that people have questioned, and especially people football smarter than me, more savvy than me, have questioned whether or not he might be ultimately an odd man out as far as this defense is concerned. Nothing I've heard that it's, it's imminent, but people have talked about that, and that was just kind of – it wasn't a surprise when they went that direction because we kind of thought that maybe they were thinking about seeing what they could do with that position, Tony, moving forward. So as you uh, take a look at, at the rest of this, right, there were some picks, you know, as I said, I, I didn't go through the tight end picks. You're in you're in round seven. They pick up uh, Rodney Thomas out of Yale, defensive back, because, well, you got to pick somebody, uh, right? I have nothing against the dude. I don't, I don't know much yeah. about him. Um, but it seems that offensively they pick people who could be inputted right away, and defensively uh, they, they played a project. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a good call by you, too, because you see what they have defensively and what they've done in particular in the offseason to add to that defense, whether it's in Dockway or McLeod or Stephon Gilmore into that secondary. They have really had a major focus on that defense, and we've kind of wondered, all right, so when are you going to address, outside of Matt Ryan here, 
the offense at wide receiver. And it's kind of funny. This is brought up all the time because they didn't dive at all into free agency as far as wide receiver is concerned. And, of course, you got me, you know, right upstairs from you guys every day shaking my fist, wondering when the world they're going to do that. In fact, I have for the past four and a half years. But they feel that they have a wide receiver, what they really like right now. They didn't address that position in the offseason. And they also tell us that maybe it was because they didn't have the quarterback in place. In fact, when free agency started at the wide receiver position, or maybe better yet, when Amari Cooper got traded from Dallas to Cleveland, which I really wanted them to get in on, that they did not know who their quarterback was going to be. They had no idea their quarterback was going to be Matt Ryan at their time. So that that probably set them back a little bit, Tony, as far as what you could do. They're trying to make up for lost time. They do believe in that group of wide receiver. They think Pierce is going to make it better. They believe in Woods, a tight end. They think he's going to make it better. But there's still a lot of finger-crossing and hope going on because you saw a team a year ago, the outside of Michael Pittman Jr., did not have a 400-yard receiving season. Outside of one guy, there's a lot of ground to make up in a big-time year. And you saw what happened at Tennessee right during the draft. I mean, they go A.J. Brown, ship him off to the Eagles. So the AFC South is even more winnable for what they have done with this Colts team, or at least should be coming up this season, just by virtue of that move alone. That's JMV, 93.5, The Fan, 3 to 6 p.m. Check him out there, JMV. Always a pleasure. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.